0: Hello and welcome. This is Background Screening Tips and Tech with me, Tim Santoni, and my co-host, Joe Berlin. Um, on this podcast, we're trying to provide insight and information to help our end users and people in the background screening industry go further and faster. Joe, um, how are things going today? Things are great, man. Well, today we have a, a special guest, uh, Brad, Cam- Brad Carmen from uh, Clinical Reference Laboratories joining us. Um, they're one of the largest uh, laboratories on on this this occupational health and other kind of drug testing, substance abuse screening in the country. They are, uh, and we're going to get into some some current trends regarding COVID-19 tests, but before we get into that, I want to get let Brad introduce himself. He is the Director of Sales on the Employment Services uh, side of the business over there. Um, Brad, welcome to the podcast. Uh, spend some time, you know, getting into a little bit about you, the company, and uh, set the framework for the podcast. Absolutely.
1: Thank you, Tim. Yeah, glad to be here. My name is Brad Carmen. I'm the Director of Sales at Clinical Reference Laboratories and uh, excited to to share a little bit more about our story about our laboratory and the COVID testing that we've uh, now offer uh, to the market to the marketplace and and just elaborate and share more with everyone to look forward to it. A little history about CRL, we were founded in 1979, uh, became DOT certified in 1989, We test roughly about 16,000 samples a day at our laboratory. We're one of the four largest national labs who are left serving the market. there has been a lot of consolidation over the years and and, uh, we're one of the the largest labs in the country and we process samples from all over the United States. We process roughly about 16,000 samples a day at our single site laboratory located in Lenexa, Kansas. And uh, one thing that's unique about our lab And it's fun to work there because we're privately owned, which which makes us different than the other labs that are out there. Um, We're also a a very diverse lab. We're also a a big player, the largest life insurance sample testing lab in the U.S. So we do a lot of testing across um, the drug testing spectrum. And then recently, earlier this year, we introduced a COVID test to the market.
0: Awesome, Brad. Well, thanks for the introduction. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, I know that our listeners typically are, you know, background screening related. So end users who are HR professionals or people in industry, wholesale providers, platform providers, technology providers. So I think that you'll be able to provide some great insight from your perspective in working at Clinical Reference Laboratory. So First off, I mean, maybe give us a little bit. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about the differences between the types of the COVID nineteen test kits that I think employers are and HR professionals are concerned about currently. So, from your expert, you know, view of things, maybe break down the differences so that our viewers and listeners have some sense of the differences and, and it, keep them well informed as they make decisions going forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there is a lot of a lot of different a lot of different tests out there in the market, and it's important to know the differences. Um, and I'll do my best to, to inform everybody and the listeners of that. Uh, so just a little bit about our test. It's a saliva-based test. It's a molecular test. So there's different types of tests. So I'll just tell you a little bit about our specific test. It's a mo- molecular test, which means it tests to see whether or not someone has the virus. Um, we do have FDA emergency use authorization. Um, The test is very easy to use and and to administer. It's got EUA, or Emergency Youth Authorization, for at-home use. And it's it's very simple and convenient. And it's simply the donor gets the kit. Um, They then spit into a tube. They go onto our CRL Clear web application. They register the kit and the information that's required about themselves. They then ship that sample overnight to us via FedEx. Uh, typically, we get that sample the next morning and then we get a result reported back to this to the donor and to our CRA very quickly. Uh, we report the results back to the donor by text. So it's, it's very easy to use. Um, results are turned around very quickly. And it's a saliva-based test. Many of the tests out there today are the nasal pharyngeal swabs and our test has been proven to be just as accurate or just as sensitive as those nasal swabs. And simply think about it this way, you spit into a tube with our with our device and you send that in, or you go into a provider and you get a six inch swab inserted into the cavity uh, between the nose and the mouth. And it's a little more invasive, obviously, as it sounds. Um, a lot of people have had those tests. Um, our tests, you know, we like the ease of use and it's, it's uh, proven to be just as sensitive as those other tests and it's um, more effective than the testing using the shorter swabs
0: awesome brad i think that makes a lot of sense and so i, I mean one thing that comes to mind is obviously the, the self-collection you can be done anywhere it could be at home work or wherever that the um you know the the employee is, is located makes it very very uh much more more convenient um But on the nasal swab, just to confirm, that's not a self-collection. That must be done at a laboratory or a physician or urgent care or by some doctor or nurse, correct?
1: That is correct. Yeah. Yep. You want to make sure you get that swab done correctly. Um, So, yeah, it it needs to be done in a clinical setting,
0: correct? Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for putting that insight. I really appreciate it. Um, So, I think that for, for us anyway, one of the things that we're kind of in this uncharted territory where employers are looking to open back up. There are some people that are still working remote, but as people come back to the workforce, HR professionals and and business owners are are concerned about the welfare of their employees, their team members, their partners, their clients, their patients. And so they're going to be, you know presumably testing more and more people especially as we get into flu season more and more presentation of flu-like symptoms that could be covid related things so what are some trends you guys are seeing at the laboratory level uh, as it relates to testing and how are employers and businesses preparing for what you know what's to come
1: we've great question we've uh, we're we're really ramping up uh, the laboratory and the testing we're literally testing thousands of samples per day we've got the capacity to test 25,000 samples per day, so we still have room to grow. Uh, predominantly what we're seeing now is a lot of schools, universities, uh, the sporting, sporting teams or in entertainment. They're doing a, a lot of the testing or the majority of the testing. And we've been busy setting up CRAs and occupational health clinics and TPAs with accounts and literally have hundreds of relationships built. And each one of those has relationships built with uh, employers across the country and we've just been helping educate our CRAs and, and other other customers about the process because you know, right now a lot of employers really haven't decided uh, when they will bring their employee workforce back or their, their workforce back into into play across the board. So it's kind of like a it's an investment. You know, we're educating and working with our with our groups to get their account set up. Uh, and like I mentioned, we're testing thousands a day, but we we fully anticipate that to just continue to ramp as employers decide to to bring workers back. So, you know, we're just just waiting on that and we believe it'll come kind of like a return on investment, we believe. Plus, we feel like we're doing the right thing. We've got a great product and um, uh, we're helping the economy then get back on track and, and making workers feel more safe um, as they
0: go back into into the office as well. Thanks, Brad. Hey, Joe. Just as we're talking about this, I think one thing that comes to mind is someone that's talking to employers on a regular basis, on a daily basis. I think that I'd like your take on this, which is the fact that you know these tests. If you have an employee who's exhibiting symptoms, you know, what are the employer's thoughts on sending them? I mean, with regular pre-employment substance abuse screening and occupational health, we send them to a lab. But what? What are some you know, concerns or fears that you, that you sense in employers either they've told you about or, they, or you anticipate they will have about sending someone to a lab? I think it makes a lot of logical sense to, to do a self-collection kit because why put them in harm's way? I mean, what, what have you been hearing from employers you're talking with?
2: Um, I haven't heard anything specifically about um, like a concern of sending them to a lab. Uh, but what I can tell you is that a lot of the employers that I've talked to are already doing some kind of COVID testing. Um, and so they've been intrigued by the ability for the applicant to be able to take it at home, right? So now the applicant doesn't have to go anywhere. Um, from an employer standpoint, I think it adds a um, it adds a certain level of of care to the employee relationship, like a morale, right? I mean, it adds to that um, level. I think where where the employee can take the test at home. Feel safe, feel comfortable. Uh, like Brad mentioned, it's it's not an evasive test, right? It's something that they can take pretty easily, send in, um, and then kind of wait for the results. Um, I was going to ask Brad the same kind of question: What industries are you kind of seeing uh, utilize the test the most? And then, two, um, you know, if there are any kind of concerns with, you know, have you heard any kind of? concerns? With going to the lab versus not having to go to the lab with, with let's say your product.
1: Yep. Yeah, we've we uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know the industries that are that are using it. Uh, we're seeing all types of industries across the board um, using it. You know, you think of uh, the entertainment, the sports, the colleges, um, the athletic programs. You know, they've got the budget to pay for testing because this testing isn't inexpensive. Um, school districts are also testing this in certain, using our product in certain uh, situations. Um, but there is a concern because then the concern stems from, you know, not only on the, the donor, but also the healthcare professional. So if you can avoid having a donor go into a into a clinic in a clinic setting where they're exposed to other people that are in the waiting room or people that are doing the tests on them, you uh, to have that nasal pharyngeal swab done uh, in a clinic setting. You've got less exposure for the clinician, for the people in the waiting room, for the donors. And with our test, it's simply distributed to the employer. The employer then distributes the test out to their, their employees who then can do the self-collect at home and simply send that sample back into the lab. So there's all, all kinds of pros there with that, that type of methodology for, for, men, for multiple people across the board.
2: Yeah, yeah. Quick question, because because you brought it up first, so so I'm going to ask you the question. Um, one of the things and some of the feedback that I've heard uh, when talking with some prospects about this particular product is the difference in cost uh, compared to what they may be getting now. Uh, and you brought that up. It's it's not cheap. Um, can you explain a little bit about why that may be the case?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Good question. That's one of our biggest challenges, or one of our challenges, is just educating the end user on the difference between like a molecular test, and an, uh, which is a PCR test versus like an antigen test. And the antigen test, uh, a lot of times is a lot less expensive than a PCR test. The FDA has come out and said that the molecular PCR test remains the gold standard across all boards. And they state that when an antigen test is done, specifically a rapid test, a rapid antigen test, that they should, they should have that test backed up with a PCR test depending upon uh, whether or not they see whether or not some, there's maybe some type of inconsistency with the result they get back and how the donor uh, was at the beginning. So I think it's very important that, that we really, you know, just at a, at a high level understand the differences between an antigen and a PCR test. Um, the current ant- antigen tests out there on the market, they can either be the, the point-of-care test, where they get the immediate results or they can be a lab-based test. Um, the current antigen tests that are out there are all nasal based or nasal swabs. Again, ours is a, is that saliva test and it's a PCR test. And the antigen testing, unlike the mo- molecular testing, uh, does not involve any amplification. Thus, basically in layman terms, it means it's not nearly as sensitive as the PCR test or a molecular test, which we offer which is why the FDA says the molecular test is still the gold, gold standard. Um, so those, those are some things uh, of importance to know. Um, the last one I would say, um, with the antigen tests, um, the tests that are out there on the market, um, as I mentioned before, they're not nearly as sensitive. So they don't pick up the viral loads until they're at a higher state. So with the antigen tests, simply you can, you can miss somebody for the first two, three, four, five, six days, because they have to have symptoms and the viral load has to be at a high enough level for those antigen tests to pick the virus up. Or with a molecular test like ours, we're able to use limited detection and we're able to detect the virus at the very very onset before symptoms actually start to occur all the way through the, the virus as it, as it goes and, and the life of it extends out. So. You can get a cheap test, um, but you get what you pay for, you know, and there's, you know, there's all kinds of, uh, companies out there that, that want to use, you know, a different, different mix of tests and, and, you know, that's their right to choose what they want to do. But, but it's important to know the differences between the two, Tim and Joe.
0: Yeah. And Brad, that's a great point. I think that obviously employers want to to have a testing plan in place, but a false positive or a negative that really is a positive is a problem because they're going to be put back in the workplace, and that jeopardizes the health and safety of all their 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 other team members, their clients, potentially their partners, and whoever they're interacting with. And so, again, I think it's I think that and what I'm hearing and talking to some different employers about it is is that you know going to CVS and getting the kit and then going to a lab seems like a good idea, but then they went to a CVS, then they had to go to a lab they have to take the, 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 the kit and then the, the turnaround time and the cost isn't necessarily um, less than a t- traditional, you know, test that you guys are offering. So I, I've heard it going both ways, obviously everyone wants that instant fix, but I think they need to understand the, the drawbacks of those instant tests. And I think the other part of it too, that this come up is that when it comes to employment based testing, a lot of times employers are cro- not just requiring one negative, but maybe multiple. So they need to have a solution that they can count on and be reliable over and over again. And maybe they went to CVS one day because they were in one area, but then the next day they went somewhere else, they have there's a lot of back and forth that the business and the HR professional have to do as well as the, the, you know the employee to make that all happen. If you have the kits on hand, they can be deployed, they can be mailed, they can be delivered and it's a little bit more effective and reliable. And again, I think that there's some you know being prepared is the key uh, and having those. I know Brad, just to confirm that you the clinical reference laboratory tests that are offering the, the, um, the PCR saliva tests, Tell me a little bit about how long they last and, you know, you know, why it makes sense to have them on hand.
1: So the kits, the kits do have an expiration date on them. The kits usually expire. Uh, they've got an expiration date of about two years. Um, so they, they, they've got a long expiration date that, that can be held onto and used at any particular point in time. And when you're ready to use the kit, you simply spit into the tube, fill it up, ship it in. And we, we test the sample upon arrival and get that result back to you quickly. Um I think too the key as you mentioned just uh the fact that um that 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 doing the doing the um I lost my train of
0: thought Tim I'll let you let you take over No problem no problem at all Brad It's a lot of stuff to go over Um Joe do you have any other questions for Brad before we wrap this up
2: Yeah you know just from an end user perspective cuz I I know I I myself have thought about it and I'm sure I'll get the question uh, I haven't yet but Um, you know, we're talking about testing and, and, you know, one of the things that's always on HR's mind is turnaround time. Tim, you kind of referenced a little bit with the back and forth of having to go to CBS outside of the employer, sending the test kit to the employee at home outside of that time. What's the turnaround time of on average for an employee to kind of, you know, provide the specimen into the tube, ship that out. Are there special requirements for the shipping? Um, you know, that type of thing. And then what's the turnaround time once the lab receives it to kind of give those results back to
1: the yeah. uh, so that so we ship the kits out to the applicants or to the employer. The employer distributes the kits typically, or we can ship them directly to the employee. They get the kits, they they go through the process as I described before, spit into the tube, they go onto our application to fill out the donor their donor information. We provide them with all the shipping materials to get that sample sent back to us. Uh, FedEx does require specific labeling on the outside of the package that, that, that distinguishes the sample um, in a way that they know that it's a, a, a sample that's coming to the lab for COVID testing. So we provide all that material. Uh, they then That sample then arrives typically by FedEx, as I mentioned. We get those samples each morning at our lab in Lenexa, which is a suburb just south of Kansas City for those that aren't aware of that. And then we test the sample and we get results generated within 24 to 48 hours um, from the from the time the sample arrives at the laboratory. So we get that result reported back quickly to the donor. And one of the other cool things about our testing is we do have baked into our solution, um, each test requires an ordering physician to authorize the test. So that's all part of the process that we do behind the scenes with the telemedicine provider. So there's nothing that the, the customer would need to do. So we do that on the front end. And then then on the back end, anytime a sample produces a detected result, the donor will get a call from the the physician who'll will, who will provide consultation to that donor on that
2: result. And that's a that's a whole lot of product and support. Um so I know we talked about the cost earlier, but it kind of sounds like a like a no-brainer if I'm I'm going to provide something as sensitive as this to my employee and know that the shipping and the, the consultation at the end and, and all that's kind of taken care of. I mean it's kind of a all around good product in my
0: eyes. Yeah, it's almost like a one, one stop shop there in terms of the, the whole process. And I think that the key is is I think to like with anything to go through the process, test it, see how it works, to be able to compare it to what's going on. And it's a pretty, you know, pretty easy thing to have happen. Like you say, it's gonna get shipped to you. There's no real obligation can keep them on your shelf as available and use them as needed. And again, it, it sends a big message to the employees. I think that, hey, you're taking this seriously and that uh, the results are you know going through a lab and that they're verified and and, and solid because um, who knows where things could lead from a liability and risk perspective. And again, for most clients that are doing background screening and care about substance abuse and, and occupational health, I think that they're clued into to risk mitigation in their business um, through a variety of different you know, procedures. And who knows, at some point, maybe this will be something that is part of, you know, everyday screening, and there'll be something that's even more streamlined. But I think right now, I think it's all about preparation um, as we move forward. So, Brad, thanks so much for taking the time to come on again. Uh, Brad, Brad Carman, um, he is the director of sales with of, on the employer services division with clinical reference laboratory. We will link up all of his information in the show notes below. If you want to connect with him, please do so. Um, Brad, thanks so much for for coming on. And, and any, any final words before we let you go?
1: Absolutely, yeah. No, I appreciate uh, the two of you having me on the show today. Um, it's 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 been a pleasure, you know, talking with your listeners and hopefully helping them better understand uh, the process and the different tests that are out there and the differences between, you know, a PCR test and an antigen test and and how it all works. And and hopefully they leave here feeling like we've uh, we've got a great product because we truly do. And you know, we look forward to, to working with you further and, and anyone else that has interest. So I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: No problem, Brad. So once again, we will link up all of Brad's information in the show notes below. If you want to connect with him directly, please feel free to do so again. Uh, on background screening tips and tech, our goal is to kind of provide insight and information to help you go further and faster with your background screening and risk mitigation in your business. Um, we have some, some guests some future guests lined up, please feel to download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We are, uh, on all the platforms. Um, Joe, any final words before we let you go?
2: Um, only one. And I, I think that is, you know, check with your, check with your partner, check with your screening partner, make sure they're using Brad and his lab. Um, do some research, do some due diligence, check out the difference between the testing, make the decision for yourselves. Uh, but if you do decide that you want that a uh, little bit more well-rounded and, and, um, trusted test, then, then reach out and, and make sure they're partnering partner with Brad.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again, Brad, for coming on and spending some time with us. Um, And again, stay tuned. We do put out an episode every week of the podcast. And whether you're listening and watching, you can obviously pick us up wherever you download your podcast, or you can watch the vidcast on YouTube. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks.